wait to finish the series. Not that I want to finish the series, but I'm looking forward to this particular sermon. One of my kids' favorite songs on Pandora is from Moana. The movie Moana, and it's shiny. The song Shiny. Right, guys? Shiny. Right? Today's sermon is called Be Shiny. Be Shiny. The big idea is this. God wants his people to be a vessel for his presence and to reflect his splendor and glory to the world, to be a shining city on a hill. That's what God wants from us. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says this. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Do not people light a lamp and put it under, do, do not people put it under a lamp and a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all that is in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Lord, I ask you right now that you would help to personalize this message to each individual in this room. I know that you've challenged this individual, speaking these words today with this very same message, And Lord, I believe that you want young and old to hear how we can be shining cities on a hill. Not for our own glory, but for the kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The metaphor, the city on a hill, has historically been used to reference something exceptional or divine. Okay? Ronald Reagan borrowed it back in his campaigns and his final farewell address, he referenced it as a vision for America. JFK referenced it. Even as far back as 1630, John Winthrop, the first governor of Massachusetts, utilized it as he sternly warned his compatriots in Plymouth, this is going way back here, to be on their best behavior. We don't talk about that anymore. Be on your best behavior, because the world was watching. This was before, <laughs> before uh, newspapers were in America. This was before, uh, definitely before internet. This is before organized postal service. I mean, the world was watching. What was he talking about? He was talking about us. If this thing is going to happen, if it's going to survive, if we're going to be able to make a new world here... We best be on our best, our best behavior because the world is watching to see if it works. If we can actually be this shining city on a hill. But this is more than just a metaphorical city. It was a contemporary reference to a geological location that those listening to Jesus speak would immediately understand as Mount Zion, Jerusalem, and the temple complex. These people, when Jesus was speaking this, they knew what he was talking about, okay? Um, because this is, this is historical. Ancient pilgrims would come to Jerusalem, and they would crest the Mount of Olives, and they would see Jerusalem, and they interpret they, they would show the, the light would be shining on the gold of the temple, and the white Jerusalem stone of the buildings, and it looked like a cut gem blinding to the eyes. 
This is what they were referencing. The shining city on a hill. In so many ways, unfortunately, Israel, the temple, fell short of this ideal. Matthew 23, 37 says this. Oh, Jerusalem, this is Jesus speaking. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that killed the prophets and stoned those who were sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. So your house is left to you desolate. If they heard that, they would have not understood what Jesus was talking about. Because in the time of Jesus, um, because, thanks to King Herod, the temple was the most beautiful it had been since its founding under Solomon. It was gorgeous. It was gold-laden. It was beautiful. In the very verse after Jesus laments over Jerusalem, laments over the temple. See, he says this on the heels. He says this lament on the heels of the day that he threw the money changers out of the temple. This is, mom- this is hours, maybe moments, spoken moments after Jesus formed a whip and drove the money changers at whip point out of the temple, and this is his lament over what had become of what was supposed to be a place where the presence of God resided and showed his splendor and glory to the rest of the world, a shining city on a hill. The very next verses after Jesus' lament over Jerusalem, we see the disciples marveling over the splendor and majesty of the temple. Like so often in Scripture, the disciples just didn't Get it? They were so thick in many ways. And I love that the Gospels don't hide that. Why do I love that? Because I can see myself in them. Sometimes I am so thick. And I could just picture Jesus going, dude should have had a V8. I, I, I relate to that. Maybe I'm the only one here. Anybody else relate to that sometimes? Being, uh, understanding what Jesus is trying to do or what Jesus is saying in the scriptures? Nobody, okay. You guys should go to another church then. Um, this is what disciples say, Matthew 24. Jesus left the temple, right after, right after this lament, Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out how the buildings how beautiful the buildings were of the temple. Jesus is lamenting over the temple, and the guy's like, hey, Jesus, look at all around. Like they didn't see the tears in his eyes. But he answered them, you see all this? Do you not? Truly I say to you, there will be not one left here, one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Oof. There won't be one stone left upon another that will not be thrown down. Jesus was completely unimpressed. Apparently, even in all of its splendor, the stones did not cry out the glory of God. 
It was really the glory of man, of Herod. People are impressed with things, right? Yet God is impressed with, now this is humbling, people. Well, I thought, no, we'll see it. Here we go. People are impressed with things, yet God is impressed with people. People are impressed by what other people produce. My wife and I were just going through our, our, um, our pictures of our trip. We, we, uh, when, uh, before Aria was even born, we took a trip to Paris. And we were looking at uh, pictures. And interestingly enough, we have pictures of Paris that you can't get anymore. Because we were there before the Notre Dame was burned. And we were looking at pictures of the interior of the... Beautiful, gorgeous. We were so impressed by what man had made. Couldn't believe man could build such things. People are impressed with what other people can produce. God is impressed by what God can produce through his people. That's what, that's what impresses God. What God can do through his people impresses God. If you want to impress God, follow last week's message and do something. Ask him what you can do, what he will empower you to do, and do that, and that will get God's attention. People are interested in poor imitations of heavenly splendor. You know that the temple uh, on, the, on the Temple Mount was an imitation of the temple in heaven. People are impressed with poor imitations of heavenly splendor. God is interested in revealing his splendor through you. That's what God is about. Would you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16? Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. And I want to talk a little bit about this passage. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture because it talks about two temples, two different temples. Okay? One is impressive, the other is not. One is heavenly, the other is demonic. And it says this. He, Jesus, asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John, the Baptist. Others say Elisha, and others, Jeremiah, or, or one of the prophets. Basically, nobody knows. One of those important people back in the day. Because you're kind of like them. You seem to be a caricature of what we read about in the past, so therefore we're going to put that on you. Verse 15. He said to them, but who... Do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's a few things I want to touch on today. I want to touch on Peter, and I want to touch on the gates. OK? 
okay? Some uh, interpret Matthew 16 to mean that Peter is the rock upon which the church is built, okay? This interpretation then becomes the basis for the entire papal succession argument, okay? That's, That's where it comes from. If Peter is the rock on which the church is built, and if the bishops of Rome are Peter's successors, then it follows that uh, they say that the papacy remains the foundation of the church. If you interpret it that way, that makes perfect sense. It does. It really does. Especially when you, uh, you loop in the next pa- uh, passage that says, and I will give you the, the gates of heaven, and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, what you loose on earth will be... It makes sense along those lines if you interpret it that way. Okay? Unfortunately, this is not at all what Matthew 16, 18 teaches. The name Peter was a nickname given to Simon by Jesus far before this moment. Back in John 1, 1, 42, when Peter first met Jesus, he gave him this name. Coming from the Greek word Petros, or the Aramaic word Cephas. The name Peter means rock or stone. It means rock or stone. We might call him Rocky. Yo, rock! But when Jesus said, I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, he def- uh, definitively uses two different words. He differentiates between Peter, the rock, by using two Greek words. The name Peter is Petros. But the word for rock is Petra. Now you're like, Pastor, are we splitting hairs here a little bit? Yes. But they're important hairs to split. They may sound similar, but ancient Greek literature shows that this actually refers to two different things. Now listen to this. This is pretty cool stuff. Petros was used to signify a small stone. And that's what he uses for Peter. Petra, by contrast, referred to the bedrock or a large foundation boulder. There's a place out in the Middle East called Petra. You got a glimpse of it if you watched Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's carved right into the, the rock. Nobody really even knew it was there until Indian Jones discovered it. Wasn't that nice of him? So, But it means bedrock, a big stone. In another translation, it could mean cornerstone, a big foundational rock. Okay. So to paraphrase Jesus' words, he, to, he told Peter, I say to you that you are a small stone upon The cornerstone, on this cornerstone, I will build my church. So what is this cornerstone? There are play on words that would have been super significant to the hearer of that time. Now, he says this, Matthew 16, 15, and 16. This is what he's saying is the cornerstone. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter said, answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, Peter, you got it, man. You got it. You are a small stone that is going to be built on this foundation that I am the Christ, 
the son of the living God. That's the whole thing. Can you picture the, the, the scenario? Let me, let me set the stage for you. They had just been to uh, Caesarea Philippi, up in the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, and there, there is a, a temple, a, a pagan temple, to a goat god. I'm not joking. Goat god. Very similar to our iconography of the devil, that we understand the horns and the whole thing. The goat god. And it's in this cave. It's still there. You can go visit it today. There's a cave there. And the cave is called the Gates of Hell. It's called that today. It was called that then. And that's where he is. So he goes to that place and he sits down with it. Maybe they're, you know, cooking some fish up by a fire. And he goes, hey, guys, who, who do people say that I am? Well, I mean, you just got, you got you to demystify this sometimes. You got to read the Bible like you never read the Bible, right? You got to say, what is going on? These are human beings in a human setting. They're up there. They're seeing this. He actually takes them on a field trip up there for this purpose, to make an object lesson of this place. It says this, guys, who are people saying that I am? And they go around, you know, round robin, they go around the fire, and they're like, you know, some say Elijah, John the Baptist, come back to life, maybe Jeremiah. People don't really know. And he presents the question to them, okay, guys, who who do you say I am? what what, What is the consensus in the circle? And Peter speaks right up. You are the Christ. Now, that's a significant answer. When you say Christ, what that means is, you know, it's not Jesus' last name. You know, Jesus Christ. It's not his last name. It's a title. It means something. Okay? It's not like, you know, Joe Smith. It means something. It's a, it's a, it's a title. It means you are the Messiah that we have been waiting for. You are the one who came from the line of David. You are, you are the king, supreme. It has so much meat to that one statement. You are the Christ. And Jesus said, wow. I, I feel like Jesus was kind of like, Peter surprised him there, I think. We know that Peter was a little thick because in like three verses later, he tells him to get behind him, Satan. You're the rock. I'm going to build the church. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Peter's all over the place. But he said in this moment, I think Peter surprises him. Flesh and blood, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. But my Father, which is in heaven, you are, you're the, you are the rock, Peter. But on this foundation, the fact that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church. Finish it, ready? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The forces of the enemy will not prevail. The demonic powers of this world will not be able to crumble this this temple I'm building on the proclamation that you just gave, that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. You stand on that foundation, the gates of... Now, the gates of hell are interesting because when we talk in the first century, we understand the gates are where the leadership would make decisions, right? They would sit in the city gates. And, interestingly enough, 
the leaders of the city would sit in the city gates and they would also hold the keys to that city. They would be able to open the, open the gates to whoever they thought was, and they would be able to shut the gates to whoever who they thought shouldn't be there. They had that power. He said, I am going to build my church, my temple, and it's going to be founded on this truth, and you are going to be the stones. You guys in the circle, you're going to be the stones on which I build this church. And I'm going to give you the gates to the kingdom. You're going to, be, you're going to have authority. And, and the gates of hell, they're going to have, have any authority over you. You're going to have the authority of this kingdom. And the things that you loosen this earth, I'm going to be all for. The things that you stop are going to be stopped. Big stuff there. He's building a new, beautiful temple with authority. The way God always intended it to be. And we get to be people sitting around that fire. When Jesus says this to his disciples, it speaks out through the generations to us today. We are stones. We are Petros on the foundation, on the Petra of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. The rest of the New Testament bears this out. In 1 Corinthians 3.11, Peter writes, uh, excuse me, Paul wrote that no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, same term- terminology. Ephesians 2.20 says, uh, Paul further explains that Jesus is the cornerstone on which the church is founded by the apostles. So the cornerstone, and then the Petros that was there, the, the apostles built the foundation, and now we are stones in this temple. Peter himself in 1 Peter explains. Open up to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, and it says this. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by the humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. We're being built into a temple, a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the scripture says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. Oh, look at that. Does that, does that speak Jesus to you or at what? I'm laying a stone in Zion, a precious and chosen cornerstone on the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, this is quotes again, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. It's Jesus and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. People can't get over Jesus sometimes. They can't, they can't handle Jesus. We have, we're constantly coming into contact with people who can't handle Jesus as the cornerstone. So he becomes a cornerstone for those who believe in him. We are being weaved into the building blocks, the 
the, the building of this new temple. But to those who do not believe, he, he, he trips them up. He becomes a, a stone that causes them to fall. They stumble because they dis- disobey the message, which is also what they were uh, destined for. But, here we go, but you, 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 you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may be de- uh, declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Sounds a lot like another passage we just read. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. Hallelujah. We had not received mercy. Now we have. This is the Peter's story, right? God's revealing things to him that no man can. One moment, he's flying high. Jesus is like surprised by him. The next moment, he's like, you ain't, you're not doing that, Jesus. He's like, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> we can be, it's, it's his, once we, we need mercy. We're thick, just like the disciples. From way back in the Old Testament, God has always desired to live among and reflect his glory through people. People, not buildings. People. God told Abram in Genesis 12, in you all the families of the world will be blessed. Right? And Moses, out of the nation you will be my treasured possession, a kingdom of priests. In Isaiah, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. In the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. Glorify the Father. We are the stones. We are the rocks, the petros that cry out. We are the living stones, the petros, the rocks that cry out. We are. Folks, I love this. And where's Dave? Dave, we worked hard to make this nice, didn't we? And all those who helped us, we, we, we worked hard to make this nice. But this is not impressive to God. It's comfortable for us. You see me? You hear me? It's not impressive to God. God could care less that Lisa and I spent 12 hours painting that stenciling out there on our hands and knees, other than the fact that we did it for him. He doesn't care about that. It's nice. It's comfortable. It looks nice. It's appealing. All these stuff. It's great. But listen, this is not going to show the glory, the splendor of God. This is not a temple. This is man-made. He wants to show his glory through the living stones that build his, his church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. 
We learned this this past year. One thing happened, and the church is closed. Church is closed. Buildings close. Buildings can get burned by fire. We saw that this year. But the church cannot be defeated because the church is not a place. It's not a location. It's a people. And by being the church in the midst of dark times, we see that the gates of hell will never prevail against the church because the church is not a place. It's a people. We get all excited about church. We get all excited about, well, I do. I get excited about spinning lights during worship. That gets me excited. I like that kind of stuff. Makes me happy. Guess what? That's not the light that Jesus God is talking about. You are. You are. We are the stones, the Petros that cries out. We are the building stones of the living temple that is founded on the cornerstone, the Petra of Jesus, the Christ. So if we go back to the inspirational verse of this whole series and interpret in the in context of today's message, it may read a little fuller. Luke 19.40. And he answered, I tell you, if these, these stones, these rocks, these Petros, talking about you and me, were silent, the very stones, the literal stones would cry out. Someone or something will always be reflecting the glory and the splendor of the King of Kings. Lord, let it be me. Let it be me. That's what you want from me. Let it be me. Lord, let it be. Let us be used to build the kingdom. That's what I want. Lord, allow me to be an accurate an authentic reflection of your glory, mercy, and love. That's what we need to be. Kids, that's students, that's what you need to be in your schools. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might as unto the Lord. That's what the passage says. Why? So that they could see that you reflect accurately and authentically the glory of God, His mercy and His love and His care because it's important because we do things for Him, not for ourselves. We don't build temples for ourselves. We build temples for Him. And the temple that we're building is this. Folks, come on, get alive here. We're building the temple. We need to live it out every single day. We need to live it out in our, ch- in our churches with one another. We need to live it out in our, in our, uh, our grocery stores. We need to live it out in our, work, our workspaces. Teachers, you need to live it out in your schools. Students, you need to live it out in your schools. In your cubicles. On the internet. We are the church. And if we stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. My fear 
Now, God has not given us a spirit of fear. I understand that. But if we're not in his will, we should be afraid. My fear is that the church is relying on this. I talk to pastors. We're very concerned that this that's going on in our world is going to destroy their church. And they're afraid. I talk to other pastors who are just the opposite, right, Chris? I mean, we got a great network of, of churches in our in our in southern New England that are are standing on God's word and they're being creative and trying to figure out what how the church can be the church in this time. I got a call the other day from Jeanette through Carrie. And she said, Hey, it's um, Rose Straczynski's 94th birthday. She's like, I know it's only 94. It's not like a five or something like that, but I feel like every year when you hit over 90 is kind of important. Like, <laughs> I agree. She's like, What if we got a few people together and went over to her house and sang happy birthday to her? That seems like such a. If you just think about it from a, from a standpoint of like, okay, that could feel like a nothing burger. Folks, we can find different ways to be the church. Because the church isn't a building. Church doesn't stop when, we, when the church can't open its doors. We are the church. The gates of hell, if we keep Christ the center, not the buildings or the, or, or the programs, or the, if we keep Christ the center... No matter what comes our way, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Would you close your eyes with me as we close this series out? Just bow your head, close your eyes. And let's just pray together. Lord, let us be a shining light. So that others may see our lives and glorify you, our Father, the cornerstone in heaven. Lord, build our church out of these individual Petros, the stones that exist, the, 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 the living stones of the people that are in your church into a glorious edifice that glorifies your name and houses your spirit. Lord, help us as the church with no boundaries or walls be a shining city on a hill that glorifies you that the gates of hell cannot prevail against that points people to the Christ, the Son of the living God. Lord, show us how we're taking our light and hiding under a basket. Lord, help us to know what those things are, the ways in which we're hiding our light. Convict us. Help us to remove those shades from the light that you've put inside us. And Lord, help us to be willing to put ourselves out on a limb or up on a lamp stand. It's a very vulnerable spot up on these lamp stands. Lord, help us to be willing to put ourselves out there to shine light 
in dark places. You know, we know, we're thinking of them right now in our own minds, what those places might be in our lives, those dark places that we have to go into. And it may not even be like an evil place, Lord. It just may be a place where you're not well known yet. Lord, help us to be the light. In word, yes. Be will, able and, and ready to give a word at a moment's notice of who you are and how much we love you. But more importantly, God, I pray that our lights would shine by our actions, by the excellence we give to our work, by the integrity of our, our mouths. Lord, when we say something, we do it. Lord, when we put our hand to something, we do the very best we can do. We let our yes be yes and our no be no. We don't compromise our morals for the sake of expediency. Lord, help us to be that church. That church. That church are, the, are the, those sitting in the gates leading, holding the very keys of eternal life. Help us to be that church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for going through this series with me. It was, it was a fun one to prepare. Next week we start a new series. Okay, it's commercial time called Breakthrough. In this particular series, I've asked you to think about what God might want from you. In this next series, we're going to talk about what we can expect from God. It's exciting. Hopefully, we'll see you next week. God bless you.